Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. once arose between the wind and the sun, which was going to be the stronger of the two. They agreed to put the point uh, on this issue that whichever soonest made a traveler take off his cloak should be accounted as more powerful. The wind began, this is an Aesop's fable, see the illustration, the wind began and blew with all its might. And main blast, a cold and fierce as a Thracian storm. We got a little wind today, chilly one. But the stronger he blew, the closer the traveler wrapped his cloak around him, and the tighter he grasped it with his hands. Then broke out the sun. With his welcome beams, he dispersed the vapor and the cold. The traveler felt the genial warmth, and as the sun shone brighter and brighter, he sat down, overcome with the heat and cast his cloak on the ground. Thus the son was declared the conqueror, and it has ever been deemed that persuasion is better than force, and that sunshine of a kind and gentle manner will sooner lay open a poor man's heart than all the threatening and force of blustering authority. Imagine if Jesus came to earth, fully developed, fully aged, not as a baby, and started barking orders, got these 12 guys together and started ordering them around. And if anybody didn't obey, just kind of like shot lightning bolts at them and, you know, showed his power. And then the whole world, yeah, he could have the whole world submit, but wouldn't we all just be trembling? Wouldn't we wonder if he was kind, if he was even any good? What was he up to? We, we sometimes, I know I take for granted that he came with a posture of love and not a posture of coercion, although he certainly has the power to do that. As we enter in um, or stay in our series, Trusting Leadership, and we're looking at what does it mean to trust leadership and follow leadership, specifically in a local church, specifically at High Street Community Church, our concept that we'll look at today is trusting leadership, friends with the church. We talked about leaders needing peer friendship, but today we're talking about leadership actually being friends with the congregation. Does our leadership love the people? And if they do, how do they do that? We want our leaders to have a posture of love, not a posture of coercion. Let's pray. Father God, you are not an isolated dictator. And we don't want to take that for granted, that you are in fact relational, so much so that you became a person humbled yourself, became one of us because you came in a posture of love and you lead in a posture of love. You don't force us, you draw us in. My prayer this morning is that you would keep us on track, keep us in your ways, both as leaders and followers in this church. 
in this local body of Christ by remaining in your love. Amen. So this week, um, as I was working on this message and, and in my studies of the church, um, the church is, and you've heard this before probably, the church is the body of Christ. And you think about that, we are actually being Jesus. Oh, if I wish if Jesus was on earth today, I could talk to him. Well, he is in us. His Holy Spirit is in us. And, and the challenge is it's a body of Christ with many parts. So it's not just one of us, it's a bunch of us being the body of Christ. Uh, many parts. And our job is just to do what he was doing carry on his mission. He called his disciples friends. He's called us friends. And so as his friends, as, as a bunch of us together are the body of Christ, we're supposed to do what he was doing and do actually, because he gave us actually marching orders, called us to do um, what he, he was um, about. And I came across a phrase that I really liked when it talked about the church. You know, I was reading these different kind of theology books, and one of them called the church the gathered community. And I like that. It kind of makes sense. You know, like certain definitions just help you understand what the church is, um, not only the body of Christ, but the gathered community. Because look, on Sundays, if you want to know who's the church, turn your head on the swivel. We are the church. It's you. It's us, for better or for worse. We're the body of Christ, right? You look around and see that. We're the gathered community. And we gather on Sundays, and then we also gather in smaller groups throughout the week as the body of Christ. And we live out his mission throughout the week. So what is our mission? And I'm going to read this passage. This is one, another one of those that I've read a lot here, and we, we ought to read a lot. It's the end of Matthew, and Jesus is giving his charge, like, here's what you guys are supposed to do, followers of Christ. This is your mission. This is your charge. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So our mission is kind of twofold. You could split that off into kind of two things. One, the mission is to, um, it's under that word baptizing. We're supposed to be going out, evangelizing, sharing the good news. We're going to people that know nothing about God, or maybe have a distorted view of God, and we're supposed to tell them with words and tell them with our actions. Here's how good God is. You can be reconciled. You can be reconnected to God. That's one of the jobs of the church is to go out, all right? To be, to where I would just say our love, God's love actually, is pointed outward. So that's, that's next week's message. I want to talk about it now, but I'm going to use self-control and say next week we're going to talk about friendship with the community, trusting leadership. We need to befriend Love the community. So this week, we're talking about love that's pointed inward, that's pointed towards one another. How do we love the church? How does leadership love the church? And how do, we, how do we really get along and love each other? What does that look like? Part of our mission is to go out and love the world. Part of our mission is to go to point in and love one another. Um, I want to talk about next week. I'm not going to do it. So um, leaders befriend the church. If you have your notes in your bulletin, this, we're going to go through these kind of three major ways that leaders befriend the church. And this is really the call and the purpose of leaders in the church. This is what we're supposed to do as leaders. And this is our job as a church when it comes to this internal pointing in love. There's three things. One is equipping, and I'll go through these slowly, but I just want to rattle them off now. Equipping, 
That's what we do. We equip the body to do ministry. And then we also lead worship, point people to God. And then we encourage the body to love one another. It's those three things. So it, it kind of really goes in parallel, especially if you read, read some you know, these theology books or seminary books that say the three main things Jesus did or three titles that he had or three roles as he was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Prophet, he was telling people, this is what God says. He's a priest. He's connecting people to God. And he was king. He's leader over everything. And so in a much smaller and um, different way, leaders in our church do those, sign, those kind of three functions. We're supposed to point people to God. We're supposed to connect people with God. And we're supposed to lead people. So let me walk through these three things. And remember, before I do that, um, the definition of a Christian leader, so leaders within this church, followers of Christ, the definition is we're supposed to influences, influence God's people towards God's purposes for the group. So a leader's supposed to listen, God, what do you want to do with this group? And he's clearly said, hey, here's the purpose. You're supposed to share my love and, uh, outward and inward. That's the purpose. That's what we're supposed to do. So that's our purpose. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to list these three things that leaders do um, inside the church. The first one is equipping. That's pretty strong wind. I see a lot of branches falling. Hopefully not a big eucalyptus tree. The sun's going to win. And I'm saying S-O-N. <laughs> I read the end of the book. Eric's teaching on it. Sun wins. Okay, equipping. Back to the message. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12. Actually, 11 and 12 works better with this um, point. It says... Um, this is kind of the job of a, of a pastor, a leader. He gave some, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. As shepherds, you could use the word pastor there. This is their job. This is the, so God gives leaders to the church to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints. I put a lot of energy into what does that word equip means, because I was an equipping pastor at the church I was at before here, and it's something I love doing here, is equip the saints. So equipping at its core, it's mending a net so it can be used for its purpose. That's what, it, that's what the word meant back then. And really the best word in our language to kind of substitute for equip would be to coach. So a pastor or a, or a leader is to coach. My role, one of the biggest things I'm supposed to do, is coach you to do the ministry. Some churches, some people say, well, the pastor's supposed to do all the work. <laughs> I can't. We're a body. I'm to coach you. Could you imagine how many people are on a football team, a pro football team? 60? 53. I knew Joe would know. His son played in the NFL for many years. So could you imagine the 49ers going to the, they wouldn't even get to go to the Super Bowl if they didn't have coaches. We were watching the Super Bowl and Maria said, which one's the head coach? And they were showing the defensive coordinator. And I'm like, no, it's not him. It's the, and they, you know, were, they were panning on different coaches. And, and there's a lot of coaches. There's coaches for the secondary. There's an offensive coordinator. There's a line coach. All kinds of coaches. And there's a fitness coach, you know, like get these people in shape kind of deal. Why do you think there's so many coaches for just the football team? Very specialized. And each player has to maximize her potential for their role. And so, so, like, I'm not the only coach in our church. 
there's a number of teachers and equippers that are coaching us all to do our roles because we all have a variety of gifts and a variety of roles in the church. And if we want to, here's the big conditional statement, if we want to do and we want to be all that God's made us to be, we need coaches. If We expect to be successful. So when we look at our leaders and we say, oh, I want to trust our leaders. The leaders of the 49ers, they're coaching. They don't even get on the field in the game. It's just the players. They're like, they want the players to do their best and have their best come out. That's the purpose of a coach. So one of the ways for the leaders to befriend, to love the congregation, the church, is to coach and say, what are your gifts? What is your role? What does God's word say about you and your call? So that, that's what's going on with equipping. That's the purpose. God wants the best out of you, and he's given you coaches to help you. A second thing leaders do that, uh, by befriending the church is lead worship of God. I knew this would be an easy one to explain because didn't Joe and the team up here lead us well? Not just in singing songs, right? And Dave, when he's up here praying with us and he's reading scripture, he's leading us. Not, we're not looking at Dave and we're like, man, I mean, Dave, you're so awesome. When he's leading, if he's leading appropriately, we're saying, God, you're so awesome. See, that's the role of a leader um, to befriend or really love the church is point people to God. That's our call. And the passage there says, Jesus, and we studied this this fall, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. A leader points us to God because God is the point. That's why we're here is to worship God. Our, our whole point, our whole existence as human, as a church, is to love and obey and enjoy God. So it's no mystery that that's the job, that's the role of a leader, to love the church. And so one of the most loving things I can do, in fact, when I'm putting messages together, I'm trying to think, how can I point us to God? To pay attention to God. What's God saying? Leaders befriend the church by leading worship of God. Third point, this is a pretty fun one, is um, a church leader is to encourage us to love toward one another. We're supposed to, to tell you to love each other. I don't know how else to say it. It kind of sounds crass, but it, it really fits with what Jesus said in, uh, I'm going to read this passage. This is very clear to what we're talking about here. John, John 14, I think it is. 13, 34, and I'm going to read verse 35 also. Jesus says, and he's talking to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. He says, just the same way that I'm loving you, love each other. And then the follow-up on that says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one another. So I get to preach next week's sermon about loving community if we do this week's sermon, Right? I don't know if this would be right to say, but I don't want you going out loving the community if you don't love each other, because it makes us hypocrites, right? And a number of people already think the church is full of hypocrites, but if we can love each other, they say, those people don't share the same viewpoints, and they still love each other on some things. That's, there must be something there. If we can love each other, the, the outsiders are watching Jesus, who has a ragtag group of disciples that were not all from the same club. <laughs> There's an interesting group of 12 that he had, and they were loving each other. That validates Jesus' love. That validates that they're followers of Jesus. So if we can love one another, am I making this a big enough deal? It gives us credibility to live out next week's message to love the world. 
to show people God's love. In fact, it's so important, I came across, um, you know in the Bible it says, certainly in the New Testament, this, there's a phrase called one another, and we have it in two words, it's really one word, all alone, it's one word that says one another, and it's in the New Testament a hundred times. If it's in a hundred times, we maybe should pay attention to it. 47 times it was directly to Jesus' followers. Paul wrote 60% of those, one another commands to the church. Paul wrote a ton of letters to help the church, help us know what to do. Four of those one another's are about kissing. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> a third, so 33% are these one another's about the church getting along, okay? And give some specific behaviors like don't bite each other. And that was one more of a metaphor, not actually like the kissing one. A third are just directly saying love one another. So a third of the time, a third of these 100 times just says love one another with this agape love, sacrificial love. 15% are talking about being humble towards one another, have a posture of humility. And then a dozen or so are very specific commands towards a specific good deed. So a hundred times it talks about uh, loving one another. So if you hear that a lot from the pulpit, if you hear that a lot in your Bible studies, if you hear it a lot in your youth classes and youth group, hey, we need to love each other, it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal because it is one of the best ways for people to receive God's love is to see that love or even experience loving one another. Leaders equip the saints they point you to God, and they encourage the gathered community to love one another. So that's pretty clear, I think, pretty clear truths about what, how leaders are supposed to love and befriend the church. But I wanted to give two very good practical um, truths for us to, to handle this by. And you'll see once I explain them why they're so important. So it's not just good for us to know, yeah, leaders are supposed to equip us, leaders are to point us to God, and leaders are supposed to encourage us to love one another. That's good, but there's a couple of challenges with that. The first one is this, people follow people. People follow people. 1 Corinthians 4.16 and 11.1 is where Paul says this, this phrase, be imitators of me as I am, as I am of Christ in, in the Chapter 4, he just says, imitate me. It takes a lot of nerve, right? I'd be kind of scared to say, imitate everything I do. <laughs> but in a sense, leaders do tell followers, hey, imitate me as I follow Christ. And in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, it says, remember your leaders. Consider the outcome of their faith. Imitate their faith in Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a point where we're supposed to mimic. That's that word imitate. It's mimic, like copy. And I was in a, a few weeks ago, I went to a, you knew this, a pastor's retreat up at Mount Hermon. And the executive director was teaching a devotional. He was teaching this. He ended up doing his doctorate because it bothered him so much that Paul said, imitate me. He says, no, I want to just imitate Christ. Why would I follow a person? So he did his doctorate on it to really get to the bottom of it. And so he's teaching this, what I'm sharing right now, and it was so good. And it was like, wow, he's really doing a great job of why we should follow people. And he was saying this phrase, people follow people. And then there was only like eight of us in this class. And then we all started being distracted because something starts walking right outside of the window of this little classroom. And it was a flock of turkeys. <laughs> and nobody's paying attention as Mike's teaching. And they're just walking, you know, in that long line. And I'm like, turkeys follow turkeys. And it was such a picture, you know, the, we got off track real quick, and it was funny, and, and uh, 
But isn't that the same thing? You know, I'm one of your church leaders. you got to follow a turkey, right? And that's the problem with that phrase, people follow people, because people have problems. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Your church leaders are not perfect. We make mistakes. So when we see those mistakes, we say, I'm not following that turkey. And you go to another church, and you follow them until you figure out their turkeys too, right? Because people aren't perfect. We're turkeys. And yet, God has called the church to be led by people because of who God is, and he can use turkeys. In fact, one of the challenges, you know, Jesus has that, that title of prophet, priest, and king, and this is a whole other sermon, which I probably won't do, but if you ever want to talk about it, prophet, priest, and kings, I've noticed that some pastors are really good at being prophetic. You know, they're just like, here's what God has to say. Others are really good at priests. They really help you connect with God. Others are really good at kings. They're running, they're good at running the church, keeping things in order and leading well. It's very, very rare you get a pastor that's good at all three. So if you like one of those three and they're not it, you struggle. It's difficult. And that's why we want plural leadership. We don't just want everything on one person because they can't do, I can't do all three. Don't guess which one I'm bad at. It's just the reality. I, I run into that. For, I wish I was good at all three, and I'm called to do all three. I'm just not good at all three. We're in different contexts. So keep following this turkey. And this goes with part two of the, the advice I want to give you. Listen, look at your notes. Proper pronoun. His church. Jesus says to Peter, when he's like, Peter, I'm going to have you be the point person, be in charge. It was shared leadership with him and the apostles, but he had Peter kind of be the, the initiator, the lead person. And he said, Jesus used these words, I will build my church. See those pronouns? This is Jesus' church. And who's going to build it? Jesus is. Thank you. I love it when the kids have the right answer. Jesus says, I will build my church. Every once in a while, I'll watch um, uh, an Instagram um, devotional from Renee at Twin Lakes Church. And it, he doesn't always do it. He's usually the most um, used person, but other pastors there do it. And it's like a minute long, minute and a half, and it's on their sermon series that they're doing on or whatever they're working on. And he had, a, he had one the other day where he, ta- he was talking about um, giving and money, and he was talking about being a manager or owner. And it fits here. I don't need to talk about money in this situation, but he said, um, there's a difference between an owner and a manager. And if it's your money, you're the owner and you're stressed, and you're like not sure what to do with it. But if you see it as God sees it and calls it, your money is God's money. You're a manager. You got a lot more peace because then a manager, just like a financial manager, goes to the person and says, what are your goals? What do you want to do with your money? I'll help you with that. Same thing with the church. Is this your church? Say no, say no. Is it my church? It always bugs me when someone says, oh, that's Danny's church up at High Street. I'm like, what? No. They usually mean it in the right way, like you're the pastor there. I I get that. But that kind of stuff bugs me. I I want the proper use of pronouns. You're going to God's church. It's his church. I'm serving a role. You're serving a role. You're here. And, And I get it when you say this is my church. I get it. Because it just means your community that you're a part of. But be careful with your pronouns because we can make mistakes to think possessively, this is my church and I want it done my way. Get us in all kinds of mistakes. It's, it's God's church. And if we're managers of God's church, 
then we don't see, what do I think we should do? We think, God, what do you want to do with your church? See the difference? Big, big deal if we get that wrong. Big deal if we get it right. It gives me a lot of peace as a pastor to not feel like I have to do this or the church. I'm like, God, what is it that you want to do? And how would you like to use me to help guide our church to initiate what you're up to? Proper pronouns usage, it's his church. Closing, I want us to make sure we get this. Our church leadership, I started with the phrase of, um, with uh, trusting leadership. If your leadership here is coercive, forcing, and not caring, more like this wind is trying to force these trees down, you know, blow this church off the map, the wind does things by coercion, just in terms of the, the example of that story. Whereas God does it through love, this slow warming. And so the call is for our church leaders, and we don't do this perfect, I don't do it perfect, but to not force our way with the wind, but to love our way. Jesus had a posture of love. And, and that's, I know that's why I follow Jesus, because I really believe he loves me, and I'm willing to do something for someone that loves me and accepts me. That's why grace is the best motivator. Grace motivates me to do all kinds of things. I didn't deserve it, and I'll take it. And so as we learn and experience God's grace, we're willing to submit to God and say, God, I'll do whatever you want to do. Just like that, our leaders are called, and, and, and everybody in the church want to keep us on track of this. Are we loving each other? Are we pointing each other to look to God? And then are we building each other up, equipping each other? That's the goal. That's the call of a church leader, to do that warmly and not forcefully, not cold, but warmly. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy on us, on me as a leader, and us as leaders, and us as a church. We, we are a bunch of turkeys sometimes walking around, but you're God, so you can use even turkeys. And it's your church, and we love you, and we confess that we don't always follow you, but we want to, and we need you. Thank you for the posture of love that the Son has and your son has. Thank you that we get to finish this message and then go right to what you've called us to do and specifically what you have Joe to do. Lead us to um, worshiping you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.